Hello and welcome to Your Sparkly Brand. We're here to inspire and empower female entrepreneurs just like you. On this podcast, we share valuable how-to content, discuss common mindset challenges, and interview kick-ass women business owners about their journeys. In a world that tries to pit females against each other, Your Sparkly Brand is celebrating successful women, nurturing the next generation, and uplifting each other. I'm Megan Gersh, and I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Tassie, and our guest for today, Rosalind Crode. Hi! Yay! <laughs> Hi guys, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. So great. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have Roz with us today. Um, she's actually a client of mine. And as, as we've started this podcast, I've just like, every time we talk, I'm like, I know Roz has lots of great information. She can totally help <laughs> us out with this. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Roz is a zealous system strategist for creative solopreneurs. She helps them bring zenful flow to their systems with her company, Timeflow. Her eclectic career started in the film industry in New Zealand before she moved to London to co-found Affiliate World, an international events company specializing in online marketing. Roz has produced a vast range of events from immersive theatrical large-scale parties to networking conferences for female entrepreneurs, and even a short film that was nominated for a BAFTA. Since the COVID pandemic, she completely reshaped her life, starting her newest company and leaving the big city for Brighton. Now she has more time for bouldering, art making, community events, and vegan fish and chips. Welcome to your sparkly brand, Roz. Hey, Lauren. It's so great to be here. So before we do a deep dive into your story, Roz, we'd like to share our sparkly moment of the week. So this is just a little moment, like a little win that we had during the last week, or just something that made you feel good. So Lauren, what was your sparkly moment of the week? So I've been you know, growing my business and bringing on some more writers to help with overflow work. And I actually found a really great writer. She, um, turned some work into me yesterday and it's just like, she has a great voice. She's like super thorough with her research. Um, so I'm just super excited to have somebody great on my team now. That's so awesome. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. What was your sparkly moment, Meg? So I got to meet up with, uh, one of my clients in person. Um, it definitely was a super great meeting. Always great to meet up with clients in person and collaborate kind of on a, in a real time basis. And she quite literally has a sparkly business. So hopefully one day I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully we can have her on the podcast sometime soon. And Roz, do you have a, a sparkly moment you want to share? I do, ladies, I do. For me, this week, I set up the framework for a website for a project that I'm going to launch in January, which we might talk about later, which is quite inspired by a book I read called The Artist Way. And it feels very sparkly because it's me committing to doing something difficult that's also pushing myself forward and nobody else is going to do it. And it's really about me listening to my soul. And I feel like I'm making something really important to me real. So that felt very sparkly for me this week. I love that. And tell me a little bit about that book because we love a good book recommendation on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, The Artist Way. Um, many people have probably already heard of it. It's it's known for being uh, a book that people will really gush about. And maybe some other people like might have the impression that it's one of those like cringy self-helpy books. I got recommended it by a friend and I did have that moment of like, oh, am I doing one of those cheesy things that so many people have done? I can't tell you how much it changed my life. It's one of the reasons that I'm sitting in front of you today. It's a book that talks about reclaiming your creativity and it's sort of like a program that you do over 12 weeks. You go through a number of different exercises and you really start exploring when it was in your life that you might have got ideas about whether you're a creative person or not and your perception of yourself today. And it's about reclaiming your creativity without associating it with having to be 
a fine artist. When I did this book, I had no idea where it was going to take me. It um, will probably talk about it a bit of my story, but I actually ended up in Argentina alone, learning to paint, making up for time that I never put into this craft I wanted to do as a child. And ever since then, I have made sure that my creative practice is a central part of my life. And I cannot tell you how much it has changed my experience of life and how much it has enriched my being. I cannot recommend this book enough. I love that. Um, yes. So let's let's jump into your story then because we're like biting at it. So Roz, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? I know it's a, it's a globetrotting story with many businesses. <laughs> um, so just sort of tell us a little about yourself you know, who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, this is always such a funny thing, isn't it? Like you really start to see the themes of the type of person that you are when you retell a story. And it's when you look back, you think, oh, all these things make sense. But at the time, I've had no idea what I've been doing. And today, what I'm doing is I work with creative solopreneurs who are running a business and they're overwhelmed with all the things they have to do. And I help them make really simple systems to just make their life more easeful. It's such a normal thing to be overwhelmed when you're running a business, especially on your own and especially when you're doing creative work. Because it's a little bit different from just doing data entry or something. You have to tap into this creative side of yourself, producing writing like you do, Lauren. It requires you to give a little bit of yourself in a different way. And then to be doing marketing, to be doing the administration, it's a lot to take on. But my story has led me to a position that I tend to quite naturally think in systems. And so I love to come in and help solopreneurs just figure out what the little pieces are that they can put in place to make everything just more easeful. Because I think every solopreneur signed up for this life because they wanted to experience their life in a certain way, have a certain amount of freedom and creativity. And it's, if you build the systems in, in the right way, you actually get to craft a life that your work is really integrated into it. And that's what I'm really passionate about, um, helping people come to that place that they're living a life that they want to live. So <laughs> shall I dive into my story of how I ended up in this position? It's, it's got a few twists and turns. Yeah. How do you go from working in film in New Zealand to now you're in the UK doing something completely different? Yeah. How did that happen? Growing up in New Zealand, this beautiful paradise surrounded by nature. I, I guess you always want the thing that you don't have. And I had this blissful life um, in, in this lovely natural landscape. And all I wanted was the gritty adventure of like a big concrete anonymous city like London. So <laughs> I had said in my mind that I was going to escape this um, lovely, quiet, idyllic place. And I wanted to go to this big, bad city. And that, I guess that like part of me that wanted was always imagining um, having an adventurous life led me into the film industry. So I worked in the film industry for years. And what you learn in the film industry, especially if you're in production like I was, was a lot of it is administration to bring these really creative worlds to life. It takes a lot of organization to make sure that hundreds of people know all the decisions that they need to make and do all the things on time because you have 24 hours that you have to make sure a hundred something people do all of these things the way that you need. It's not an easy feat to bring together. So I did that for a while. And when I think back about it, being in film, you're kind of like a like a project entrepreneur in a way, because I ended up um, producing things. And when you're doing that, you're going through all the things that you might do in a business, but it's on a project to project basis. So I get tired of doing film. Um, and I decided that I wanted to get into events. And I also had this dream that I wanted to move to London. And a few things kind of collided at the same time where 
where as I was moving, a group of friends approached me and they said that they had this idea. They wanted to start this event that would happen every year. They wanted to run a conference for online marketers. And I had my events background, but I wasn't that interested in doing something corporate. But then I also had this dream where I wanted to bring my film world to collide with this events world. And I thought it would just be magical to make these events come to life, which were like a film set for one night only in a party setting that you could experience it. And then it would be gone in the morning. So when my friends approached me, I was really intrigued by the idea of starting a business. And then I said, well, I would like to do this if we can do the after party my way. And they agreed, but they didn't know what they were getting into. <laughs> so I guess to an extent I didn't as well, which was probably a blessing. I moved to London and we start making this event. So we put our ads up. We said that 1500 people were going to be in Bangkok for this event. And we made a brand. I had to think about the way that I wanted to present everything. And the people started buying tickets. So we realized we really had something here. And then I dreamed up this uh, crazy after party where I wanted to make a it was going to be in Bangkok the event so I decided to create like a pretend backstreet market that the guests would arrive and they wouldn't realize that they'd stumbled into this market and behind it would be as if you're having a party in the secret place and we sold it to a company as a concept and we said we're going to put all their branding into the party and we made this whole thing come to life and all of the guests came from around the world to the event and before I knew it we had a company <laughs> because once we'd done that event, they were asking when the next one was going to be. So we decided we would do the next one in, in Europe. And what happened was within a few years, I had a company to run this ongoing event. So it was in the online marketing world's calendar that every uh, summer we would have an event in Europe and then every summer in Asia we would have one in Bangkok and things grew and grew and grew and before I knew it we had an eight-figure business I had 30 staff helping me with this and I was living my life in London I feel like I kind of stumbled into it but when I look back at all the steps I took along the way I can see why I had the skills that I needed I knew so much about systematizing things I know about how to put things in order in order to make sure that things go smoothly and yeah I did that for about five years and then COVID hit and we had to close things down because we were running an event and it was just at that time that other things had shifted in my life and I realized that as much as I loved the work I was doing I was not doing other things in my life that were really important to me which is why I decided to make a difficult decision and not stick through rebuilding the company I decided to leave at that point packed up my life in London and I've moved to Brighton alone and I'm starting over because I, I feel it's important to live a life that's really in tune with what you want and I'm trying to listen to that voice and the artist way is coming into it and now we're starting over again on another adventure. That's awesome. So let's talk a, a little bit about the artist way. So for those that don't know what the book is about, can you give us like kind of the brief, maybe three or four points of like the main uh, topics of the book? I think the important things the artist way expresses is that everybody is creative. It also points out that your creativity is such an inherent important expression that's important for your well-being. It teaches to when you contact your creativity and you express yourself creatively, how much it enhances and enriches your life. And it's like the coming home to that little child part of you that never left you. But as we become adults, we get it trained out of us. And when you come back to it, you find such an immense part of joy. I think the most important point that she points out in the book is that creativity is not just about being the artist that we think of as the person that, you know, is like a painter or a, or a musician. Creativity is something you can express in the way you 
you cook. It's the way that you express your friendship. It's the way that you approach ideas that you're passionate about. Creativity is about awakening this part of your soul. Awesome. I want to talk a little bit about your, your new business. Tell me a little bit about that. And, you know, how can like, how can us, you know, Meg and I are both, you know, solo entrepreneurs and, you know, our listeners that are sort of in the same, but what's, what are some systems that we can simplify? Like what's, where, where would you recommend somebody start? Yeah. So time flows are really important to me because one of the things I noticed with all of my experience of the different projects that I've got up is I realized I'm pretty good at getting things done. <laughs> because even when I was running my business, I was always still doing other things. I took on a master's while I was running the business. I went traveling because it felt really important to, to express myself in that way. I made a film that went on to make a, a to be nominated for a BAFTA. And I started to realize there was something about the way I was going about things that if I said I was going to do a project, I would make it happen. And also as I was running the business, I started to notice how we have this language around organization. We sort of talk about getting organized or we, we sort of berate ourselves if we don't do things. And I noticed that that didn't seem to be the way that I was approaching things, but I also seemed to be getting things done. So when I was working with my team, I took it upon myself to put the way that we approach organization at the center part of the way we were working. So instead of assuming that this is something that everybody knows, how to do, I started to make it something that I taught and I coached on and I worked with people. And I would always try and stress to them that we're not here to beat ourselves up, but try and understand if you really want to make something get get something done and you can see you're not doing it by stepping back and starting to listen to yourself and explore why that's happening. You can actually clear the blocks because it's really wonderful when you can see that if you want to get something done, it's not necessarily that you're you're not this wrong, naughty person that I think a lot of um, the language in our head goes to. It's simply that you don't have systems that are helping you, giving you the ease to get past those difficult roadblocks that we always have. So when it comes back to time flow, I just I especially see with creative solopreneurs, this language that comes out a lot where people sort of talk as if there's this magic skill that they don't have. They think that people that are organized and getting things together just are born that way. And I like making people realize that systems are not about the tech that you use. It's not about being super efficient in spreadsheets. That stuff can help but it's actually more about understanding what you need in front of you to help you get the work that you want to create done. And it doesn't have to be so complicated. It can be this gentle process, the supportive process. It can be about making systems around you that make you like doing the things that you want to do. There's such a different way to approach it. And most importantly for me, work can be integrated into your life in a way that is joyous and enjoyable and energetic. Why don't we figure out systems that are helping you wake up and enjoy your day and put your life and the way you're living at the center of the system rather than trying to squeeze and constrict you into this Tetris block of what you think you should be. So that's that's what's made me so passionate about it. And a really simple, my favorite system of all that I always bring up with everybody that is one of the most simple things you can implement and will make such a difference in the way you approach things is to throw away to-do lists forget about them I have not had a to-do list for years and I have been so much more effective 
And I like to stress being effective over just being efficient. What I use instead is a simple free tool called Google Calendar. And all I do is I make one little tweak. If I say there's something I want to make sure I get done, I put it in my calendar. I don't worry about the list because to-do lists are great. You think I've written the thing down and going to remember it. But what often happens is every time you get an idea, you add it to the list and you add it to the list and you add it to the list. And the problem is that it tells you what to do and then it ends up telling you what you haven't done. What it doesn't tell you is when to do it or how to do it. It doesn't take you from that moment of having the idea to actually making it a tangible thing. When you take things off the list and put them in the calendar, you can also see realistically when this is going to happen. And if you see your calendar is already full, you can make decisions like that is something I am not going to do because <laughs> I can see it's not going to get done. And so here's my option. I can either take it off the list and decide it's not something I'm going to do, or I'll calendarize it for a later date. But instead of having that kind of vague to and fro thing of like imagining that someday you'll kind of figure it out, you can just get realistic. And the biggest hack I have to teach people is about learning how many things you're just going to drop and not worry about. You start to notice that you get a lot more things done when you make what you're able to do more realistic with how much time you want to put into it, how much time you have available, and just practice the letting go process of not worrying about the things that you're not, all the things that you are important to you to get done, as long as your priorities are straight and your calendar is reflecting the life you want to live, you'll start to see it's a lot easier to say no to those other things because you realize you're really enjoying the stuff that you're doing. And at the end of the day, you're seeing you got the things you wanted to get done done and you know the other things are planned to be done on other days. So that's my favorite way to organize things by far. That's so interesting to me. And like, I can only imagine at this point, like what your calendar must be stunningly gorgeous. And I am su super jealous, to be honest. My calendar is just a mess. I've tried time blocking. I've tried like putting due dates on my calendar. I've tried a whole bunch of different methods, but um, I'm curious to, with specific kind of regard to time blocking like what is your opinion on that I love time blocking but I'm realistic about it so I would what I would um be doing if I was working with you already you'd say I've tried these things not working you're already looking at it as if you expect you should be working differently from how you're working you know you're thinking oh this isn't working because I'm not doing these things because I should be like that but what if you started to approach your calendar where you looked at what do I see that I'm able to do and I like to do and what if I set up a calendar that works with me rather than tells me just the things that I think I should do but it's actually the day I want to live because I know realistically out of six hours the realistic amount I will probably write is say three hours what if instead of putting in six and, and kind of like hoping you'll push yourself into it you realize I notice after three hours I really don't like to do any more writing what if I start to plan the three hours what could I do with all that energy that instead of fighting myself <laughs> to try and get myself to do this thing I don't want to do, I started to use the energy for something I do want to do. And this is when it gets really interesting because when you start to make a calendar that reflects you and how you want to work, you start to notice that you make decisions that are more in line with what you see as realistic. Things will get done. It might just be on a different rhythm you were expecting. But your body and your emotions and your soul have been giving you this information the whole time. But if you're making a calendar that doesn't reflect what you want, because all of those parts of you are really smart, of course they're going to fight that, you know, because you're making a calendar for someone else. So that's the thing I always start with. And it's amazing when we start to set up calendars 
calendars that fit with us, what they do. My calendar is quite tidy, but I also have, I don't like to block my calendar all the time. So I have days where I have no blocking at all because I realize that really works for me because then I'm more likely to stick with the blocking when I do have it in place because I know it's something that I don't do every day. You know, it's working more in tune with the way that I like to be. I cannot wait to ditch my to-do list. That's <laughs> like... I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this idea. You know, I feel like I kind of do it a little bit with like due dates and stuff, but I need to do it with like just sort of the everyday stuff I do in my business for sure. That's so awesome. It, it's very rare. I think that like, I feel like I haven't talked to many people that work in a very intuitive way. Like I feel like it, that, that approach to setting up your day or even your calendar is so, it's just like listening to your body, your mind, all of those kinds of things and really putting like your own wellness first which is, you know, seems obvious, right? Like it seems like the thing that all of the gurus and such tell you like, oh, you have to take care of yourself before you can put your clients first or whatever. But it's just, it's just hearing it in a different way. is just so interesting to me. Well, it means a lot to me because like, there's a lot in my journey. I started doing a master's in transpersonal psychology. And one of the things about this is about bringing in this understanding that being a human is confusing and complicated <laughs> and I don't think we need to like be harder on ourselves I also like to remember the fact that we are really really intelligent creatures but we don't just have this intelligence in our minds that we think about like one of the fascinating things to imagine is the fact if you break a bone your incredible body knows exactly what to do to repair it for you your incredible body is breathing on your behalf every single day your heart is working its little booty off, beating away for you to keep you alive. Your body has a lot of intelligence that doesn't need your mind to interfere with it. What if we started to approach our bodily signals around anxiety, around fear, about that pushback saying, this is too much, and actually listen to it some more? Because I think we forget that some of these presumptions about the way that we work a human constructed things. The eight hour workday came out of the industrial revolution. There's no law in the world that was created that said that this is the way that you have to work. The reasons that we've set these things up is so that we can fit in with the system that makes people work in a specific way. But this, the world that we're living in right now, especially with so much entrepreneurship coming out and the ability to start to create your own work, we have this amazing opportunity to start to reconsider the way that we do things. And what if we listen to ourselves a bit more intuitively, especially if we are going to be our own bosses and started to design days that fit more with the way that my the rest of my intelligence is telling me I like to be. I know for me, I love to be creative, but I can't demand myself to be in that space if I'm too tired or if I've been doing work that's really draining. So I, I don't set up days that I try and push myself to do things that aren't letting me flow. It's the reason I like the word flow in my business because it's about approaching yourself as a multifaceted creature that has all these different parts to you and starting to work with yourself to let that work come out. And sometimes the best thing you can do to get yourself to work better is take a damn nap. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a lot more helpful than what sitting, clicking on and off tabs. Like I'm just tired of treating myself as this robot that has to fit into this box. Um, when better work, more, more beautiful work comes out of me when I listen to myself more. That's it. You've heard it here. Go take a nap. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I love it so much. I think too, especially like a lot of marketing or time management or just these like business systems were developed by men too, just because over the past 60 years, like those have been the people writing the books and, you know, doing that kind of thing. And they're very masculine systems of like, well, you clock in at nine o'clock and then you get an hour for lunch and then you go back to work. Um, but I think as women, like we just have a different energy and we have to lean into that, like the, in, the intuitive part of ourselves. Yeah. There's a lot of this theme coming out, which is super interesting. And I do get it because what I understand underneath it is that distrust that I think a lot of us have about if I don't do the thing I said I was going to do, we're worried about not achieving our goals. We're not, we're worried about letting ourselves down. And I understand where that fear comes from, but it's been very interesting for me because part of my journey has been, I fought against myself for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I started to build that trust and trusting that maybe I did know what was best for myself, which was to stop working, you know, and to stop because I really overworked myself in building my business and it, it didn't help me at all. And I noticed how miserable I was getting. But as I started to move away from that and make space for these other parts of my life, for my relationships, for my health, for my self-care, it was crazy to see how much my work got better. But I had to trust that listening to those parts of myself that were screaming out for attention, saying this is too much, they had intelligence. And I can understand why it's difficult for us to do that. But it's, I think that when we, we start to see that momentum come from seeing that we're doing the thing we said we wanted to do, which might be having the nap that we plan to have, that we start to see that we can trust ourselves. We can get a bit more daring with what we lean into, but our planning around it will be different as well. It will be set up in a more sustainable way. So it's like we step back but we end up supporting ourselves more. And then the step forward comes later and gets more interesting and more nuanced and more brave. But it takes that moment to lean away from what we've been taught we have to listen to. Uh, this is this is so great. I mean, I feel like this has gone against like pretty much everything that is taught in business. Like this is, this is an amazing, uh, amazing value that you're bringing to the table. So let's talk about like, was there one specific like aha moment that you had like in your business or like some kind of specific turning point? Yeah, two things come to mind. I think a key one was realizing that nothing was more important than clear thinking. So when I was going in cycles with my business and it was getting really crazy, it became so stressful that my hair started to fall out at one point, like really, really badly. What had happened was, I hadn't built the systems around me to actually support a business. I was still right in the center, having to answer all the questions, explain everything. So every time we got a new staff member in or something, it just made my workload bigger and I had more demand on me and it made me have to get smaller and smaller. And what I didn't have for anyone was any space to think. It was so stressful to have somebody come and ask me a question because behind unraveling the question and fixing it, I could see that we needed to build a system, which we needed to figure out. I didn't know what it was and blah, blah, blah. I had no space to think. And I could see that the problem was without having the space to think, I was total, totally bottlenecking my um, business. And this is what I see a lot with other solopreneurs that I work with now. There's so much to do that we get so worried, like I've got to do, I've got to do, but we don't realize we're only making the cycle go on because without that precious space to actually think clearly, we can never undo any of the mess. So now when I go about building things with people, I talk about how we're going to cut back and pull back first, because if we don't get the space to 
think clearly about anything, it doesn't work. And at the base of every system, what is the point of making a system? It's simply to let your mind relax because you can't produce the work for your clients. You can't be creative. You can't brainstorm strategic ways to come up with things if you don't have the space to relax. So the point of the system is not to tick off all the things on your list and just say you've done them. It's so that you know what's going on when somebody comes to you and asks if you can do the work, you can see clearly, can I do it? When will I do it? How will I do it? If I make this decision, do I have the monetary comfort to know that everything's going to be okay? Do I know when things are due of me? Do I know what I need to think about right now? And when we have those things in place, you notice your mind relaxes. So when you sit down to do your work, the work comes out of you. So that's the key behind it. The other really big aha moment for me was when I realized building a business it's not a, an ecosystem, it's an ecosystem. Because I realized how much I thought building my business was about me building my business. I'm building the business. I'm finding the people. I have to have the answers. I have to have the idea. And when I saw what a bottleneck I was becoming, I started to realize I was also the problem. When I viewed the business, realizing a business is a group of people who come together and share their talent and their ideas and they problem solve, I realized I had my focus all wrong. I kept looking outward, thinking the business was out there and I was leading us to it. The business was me bringing the people together, making an environment that they could work in, supporting them, encouraging them. And they were going to build the business with me. There's no business without the people. And I think even as a solopreneur, it's important to remember when you're in a business, you're in an ecosystem. You need to be able to provide a service that somebody wants. You need to be able to deliver the thing that they want. You need to be able to communicate with them. You need to fit in with a system beyond just what you're thinking about yourself. And it's important to look at the way that you can build the, the systems around you beyond just like keeping everything in your mind. You have the systems to support you to relax your mind so that you're not just relying on yourself. So these, these two things, I think, are the most important things that I discovered and really turned away around the way that I was running things. And what's a mindset shift that you had to make at some point to you know level up and grow? A massive mindset shift has, has been to be courageous enough to not know. Because <laughs> I realized so much of my gripping on to thinking I needed to do everything was the fear of admitting I didn't quite know or the fear of admitting that someone else could do it better than me. Because I, I realized that although I said I wanted to have help, it was also quite scary because especially if you're leading a business, I noticed that one of the fears that started to come up, which I wasn't explicitly saying outwardly until I started to realize it, was if I give all these jobs away and have other people do them, what will be the point of me? Even though I'd started the business. And when I really realized that was happening, I started to see what my fear was coming from. But the really interesting thing is when you're leading a project and you're developing it, I don't know that I, I see it happen in other leaders. I've seen others sort of gripping onto things they don't need to grip onto and wanting to overcomplicate it because it's a scary thing to let go. I, I think it comes out in that mindset where we think someone can't do it as well as us. And underneath it, there can be a bit of this. I'm actually worried that if they do it really well, what does it say about what I'm going to do and what I've got to do? But what we don't forget, if you're the leader in the group, if you free your thinking space up and you free your time up, you carve out new things for you to do. You carve out new exciting challenges to have. You carve out space to create new ideas because you've made a system around you to support you. 
but that's unknown. So it's actually very exciting to step into that place. So when I made that mindset shift, that was really exciting because my job totally transformed and it started to turn into this job that I loved doing because instead of being the grumpy, anxious boss who was freaked out by every request she was getting because I was so tired, I became a really supportive, empowering boss. And my my role became a lot more about coaching my team. And I realized I loved that. I didn't want to deal with all those problems I'd been gripping onto. I actually loved supporting them to come out of their shells and flourish. But I hadn't realized that would be the job I would get to create if I could just let go a little bit more and empower more of the people around me. That's awesome. I love that so much. So how do you like let go? Because I'm trying to learn that currently myself. So. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. It's like the, the problem of being a human, like what human really wants to think about the idea we're not in all control of all of these things. We're like every day trying to build up this facade. I mean, I try and practice being humble. One of the ways that I do that is I frequently put put myself in situations that are too difficult and make me have to ask for help. Right now, one of the things I'm doing is bouldering and I absolutely love it and I'm so bad at it. And I notice I get to go through the same process of showing up, not knowing what I'm doing. It's so important to put myself in situations where I'm a total beginner and I feel nervous. So when I saw that happening, I was like, this is good for me because I haven't felt this in a long time. Too many situations, I'm like, I know what to do. Especially as an entrepreneur where I do a lot of create my own work. Whereas when I noticed being in a wall, at a wall, standing in these little shorts, putting chalk on my hands, I suddenly felt this flurry of nerves to put my hand up against the wall. I was like, oh, this is out of the comfort zone again. So I try and do lots of things like that again, just to keep practicing letting go. And I can advise bouldering if you've never tried it before, if you literally want to practice letting go, because (laughs) it is is such a great lesson to climb up a really high wall and realize you have to trust falling backwards and falling safely on the ground and that you're going to be okay. It's a very, um, if you want a very concrete way to practice it, I can highly recommend it and your heart will certainly flourish. Sorry. Okay, so let's, we talked about um, throwing away our to-do lists and putting it all into a Google calendar, um, which is obviously a very simple tool. Are there any tools that you recommend or that you love for, you know, saving time and saving sanity? Absolutely. They're probably not, exactly what people would expect again. So I do use tools. I think tools can be great, but I like to start with simplicity always. We bring in a tool if we really can see there is no simpler way to solve it. And the way that we decide if there's something simple, we first question, can this be thrown away altogether? How much is this essential? Will the world stop turning if I keep this? Because Often an easier thing to do is to decide things I'm just not going to do anymore. So we always start with questions like that. It's my best time saving to decide what you're just not going to do anymore. Beyond that, some really key things that I always implement with someone is about cleaning up your digital clutter. Today, our offices are in our computers, they're in our hands, but we seem to treat these spaces so differently than we do a physical space. (laughs) If you imagine your digital space like a physical office. How helpful is it for you to leave files strewn all over the desk? How helpful is it for you to have people knocking on your door every five minutes and poking their head in and saying a sentence and leaving? How helpful is it to have somebody ringing a bell just because they're walking past your door? It's really important to make these digital spaces work in a way that allows our minds to relax again. And one of the things that comes up when we're doing any type of work, like I talk about trusting yourself and and having flow, but in the flow, what always comes up is 
is the hustle and the difficulty because even work that we really want to do, even if we love writing, even if we love drawing, if we love designing, there are always the I don't want to moments. The moments you just cannot be bothered doing another line, don't really want to write another sentence. And it doesn't have to be very hard, but it's going to come. That's normal. But if we make these spaces that have these notifications, these distractions always coming in, we're only making it harder to sit with the I don't want to. Part of the important work is to sit through it, hold it, let it be seen, and then keep going. So one of my most important time saving, time finding hacks that I would advise anyone is to turn all the notifications off your phone. <laughs> you really do not need to know the second that things come in. I have no notifications on my phone, no notifications on my computer. And I've had it like this for years. It's crazy to me to have any of these things coming up. I take all my work apps off my phone <laughs> because I know people can find it really scary, but it's funny the relief it can give you afterwards when you realize when you deal with work stuff, you do it in one place, you're going to do it in one go and you're going to do it once because what happens when we stream everything out and we have it all over our phones, we end up opening the email, but we opened it when we're at the movie and we couldn't do anything about it. So we looked at it and we're like, okay, I'll get to it later. So what we're doing already is now we're thinking about a problem we can't solve. We're imagining something that we're going to have to do later. So we're taking ourselves out of the present moment. And then we're having to look at the email the second time. And when you're looking at the second time, it's easier to put it off because maybe it's something that you don't really like doing or something like that. When you start making habits that when I sit down, I do all my emails in one go and then I close it down. It's a lot easier to get in that space, do it and then leave it. So I take notifications off. I separate my work stuff and my personal stuff so that I don't have the worlds combining. I take all that work stuff off my phone so that I get away from that addiction cycle of thinking that I need to look at this all the time. And I make sure my workspace is really clean and tidy and I do one task at a time so that I can hold those little I don't want us and help them along. And I move on to getting things done get it done, close it down, find something else to do. And I don't know about you, Lauren, but that just like rocked my world. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm going to throw away my to-do list and also maybe my phone as well. <laughs> just the whole thing can go. I mean, people have seen me on LinkedIn. I've been preaching this thing since I moved. I didn't have, I didn't have Wi-Fi, And at first I hated it so much. Lauren, you know, I was like, I can't get back to you. This is really frustrating. But I think like with any addictive thing, it's normal to have withdrawal. And I realized I was having withdrawal symptoms from my Wi-Fi. And I'm pretty good at not using stuff, but I was like, oh, it's those little like empty moments in the evening that it's just easier to Google something, read something, see a YouTube clip. And I have restrictions in place. And I realized what happened after the, the withdrawal was it got really interesting because I had to fill my time in other ways. And I started to do creative things. I started to make stuff. Those books that have been sitting on my shelf for years are read. And I realized sometimes these boundaries that we think that voice is like, I don't want to do that. It's actually some, it's like one of the most beautiful gifts we can give ourselves is to have some harder boundaries between these digital worlds that we're diving into. So I, this is an exception to do this podcast tonight, but I've actually decided to continue it and I turn my Wi-Fi off. I don't just turn my phone off. I turn the whole thing off in the evening and I have all the ripples of the discomfort. It would be easier to turn it on. And I just hold that a little longer. And I notice what it does by taking away the things that are not, if I think of myself as an old lady, how much do I like the image of myself as a 35 year old woman living in Brighton, hunched over a gadget, scrolling on images? Is this the life full of the memories that I want to live. It's not. I like the idea of seeing myself painting, creating, reading, learning, 
from that creating adventures that are really interesting. So I realized when I put these boundaries in place, I'm also doing grandma Roz a really big favor because it means I'm just by force starting to behave and interact in the world in the way I want. And so I found that really beautiful and inspiring. And I've just decided, you know, I'm going to be a more Wi-Fi free house, which when I mention to people, they get so freaked out. <laughs> so I wasn't doing something a little bit radical, but I hope I can start this movement and get more people on the the Wi-Fi free um, train because it's pretty fun. Awesome. So we've talked a little bit about older Roz, but if you had to give one piece of advice to younger Roz, what would it be? I remember going back four or five years ago when I was, my hair was falling out and I was so stressed. And I remember the thing I kept saying at the time was, I don't have time to sort this. I don't have time to fix this. I don't have time to figure this out. And I really didn't think I did. I had so many demands. And when I started to realize a year had passed, two years had passed, we're going into the third year and I was looking around. I'd moved to the city that I'd wanted to live in since I was very young. And I was spending all of my time in a laptop, stressing about work. And I was like, how long do you not have time for? I would remind my younger Roz now, time is all you've got. That's all you've got. And if you don't step back and sort this out, all that's going to happen is you're going to chew up the only thing you have because time is your experience. I mean, she figured it out when she needed to figure it out when she was done learning that lesson, but I did waste a lot of time. And it's a shame because that was the precious thing. I, I don't want to do that anymore. So I like thinking towards older Roz and I hope I'm learning these lessons really well now because it really is everything. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So what's, what's coming up next for you? What projects are you excited about? What do you want to, you know, sort of share and get out there in the world? Yeah, I'm so excited about this. So stepping in to do time flow has felt like a really courageous move because it meant leaving a really successful business and trusting that I'm going to figure things out. And if I keep listening, Listening to my soul and my spirit and all the things that feel really true that this will lead to the right path for me and one of the things I wanted time for is to have more investment in my creative life so we started off talking about the artist way and moving to a new city was about changing my lifestyle I want to be more active out here I want to be more present I want to be in my community and I thought to myself how can I make this really fun and how can I shape a life that I'm wanting to live so I decided to make a creative project that I'm going to commit to for a whole year year, uh, which is called Creative Flow. And what I'm doing every month of the coming year, I'm setting a theme. And just like the artist way teaches you to practice doing is I will dive into that theme and I can just explore it however I like. So I have a friend called Sam Furness who did this a few years ago and called it a creative quest. And I said to him, I want to do a creative quest for the year. So if I have a theme like food, I might dive into it. I'll be like, it's all about learning to cook. I might go into a local soup kitchen and go and hang out with them for the day and learn about things. I might go and try and meet some chefs and ask them about their stories. I can explore it any way that I want, but for that month, I'm just going to dive into that theme. So that's why I was setting my website up earlier. And it's going to, I think, be a really interesting way for me to get to know my community, the people around me. I want to meet other artists, other solopreneurs, find out what makes life interesting out here and just see what comes out of me when I start putting this energy into the world and, and connecting with people in a really, uh, in a deep, 
deeper, more connected way. I love that so much. That sounds like the funnest project. So where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, I would love if anybody wants to come and hang out and share about what's going on with them. And I always love to connect with solopreneurs who are having trouble. I have so many different tips and things I'm so happy to share. So if you want to stop by and tell me about what's going on in your world, I'm on Instagram on Rose Crowd, which you guys can put up afterwards. And I write on LinkedIn every weekday. So you can find me on there under Rose Crowd as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Roz. This is seriously such a treat to chat with you. And thank you so much listeners for listening. Are you guys following us on Instagram yet? We are sharing behind the scenes tips, tricks, and content from every episode. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at Your Sparkly Brand. And until next time, stay sparkly.